it's for the building up of the body of mm -hmm. Christ. That Christ has appointed those people, and we recognize that through, like you said, the inward call, the external call, the desire, the the enablement, the opportunity, all of it matching up and lining up mm -hmm. our, our our lives. Um, agreeing with specifications of scripture on right. whether or not we're able to all of that brings us in but we have to understand god's the one that calls people into that role mm -hmm. he doesn't just say you know hey here's an available role whoever wants it like that's not reality mm -hmm. reality is god is the one that appoints people into that position because i've been worried about your soul why you still be doubting you got a soul like you need to see to believe these things but you believe things that you've never seen like feelings and hopes and dreams the future emotions and gravity and suddenly everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy and i got something to say i got something to say i got something to say to the world and i got a place to make I welcome to the milk and meat podcast i'm andrew and i have my brother with me aldo and today we are going to touch on the topic of ministry mm -hmm. uh, we have a friend who was offered a pastorate and in order to help him uh answer whether or not this is appropriate for him, we thought maybe it'd be good for us to personally exposit and dig into what the Bible says um, as far as being a minister or deacon or a pastor so that not only our friend, but also anyone else that's considering to pursue such a, such a call, yeah. uh, they might find maybe assurance, comfort, direction, and wisdom in this exposition and also in their own understanding of whether or not this is appropriate for them of course uh you know that's something that we talked about before recording uh there's so much that we can take from scripture mm -hmm. about what it means to be a pastor yeah for sure i mean uh i have seen and and i i, I believe we agree that there's certainly a a lack of people um a, lot, a lack of men uh, becoming real pastors. Yeah. Of course, there's a lot of pastors out there that uh, that do it for the fame, do it for mm -hmm. the fortune, uh, do it for their own personal gain. That gain that they preach their own gospel mm -hmm. that will benefit them, you know, um, to gain notoriety of some sort. Uh, there's a plenty of those. We have too many of those. It's a problem. But what I'm saying is we have a lack of like biblical pastors, uncompromising pastors mm -hmm. uh, that will stand true to the word, true to scripture. Um, and that you gain from the Bible. Yeah. And we could cover so much on that uh, real quick. I just want to hit first Timothy three one um, uh, because it is a good thing to want to be a, a pastor. It is a good desire to have. Mm -hmm. Um, and it says so in First Timothy three one. It says it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, uh, it is a fine work he desires to do. Um, and it is a good thing to be a oh, and, and and overseer in this uh, context. It, it, it identifies men who are responsible uh, to lead the church. Um, uh, the New Testament describes overseers as elders, as uh, as uh, overseers, pastors, basically men who are uh, in charge of the 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 church. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and in one of the the commentaries that I was reading in regards to this section of scripture, uh, the two words aspires and desires. Uh, the Greek for aspires means to reach out after. Mm -hmm 
describes an external action, not an internal motive. And then desires is a strong passion and refers to an inward desire. Mm -hmm. And these are these are the things you you have to have to be a pastor, and they are a good thing to pursue. Yeah. However, I think we have to also uh, express a, a warning or a caution too, because I think what happens um, is maybe you might get like filled with emotion, like I want to pursue pastorship, and maybe it's not the calling for you. Yeah. And I think we want to explore a little bit of that as well. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, Dr. C.N. Wilborn stated that the minister's qualifications and his work are to be regulated by divine precept. Mm -hmm. So we're not going off of our own opinions. Right. We might add a little bit of opinion on how we feel about a certain subject. Right. But even though we are not pastors, we do minister in a certain capacity, each right. of us. But... A, a pastor is not like um, we were talking about earlier. It's not like this hidden Gnosticism where mm -hmm. one group kind of has this in knowledge of something. And if you're not in that group, you can't have that in knowledge. So it's not like a, only a pastor could tell you what a pastor is. Right. It's not it, anybody that studies or, or thoroughly researches what the Bible says about any ministry position should be able to deduce from there. And, uh, comprehension so that they could evaluate and even uh, help to choose or to support the decision of someone to go into that direction in general. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, we don't need to be pastors in order to be able to identify right. who can and cannot be a pastor biblically. Mm -hmm. So that's why um, uh, Wilborn's statement there, the qualifications are regulated by divine precept. It's not mm -hmm. regulated, regulated by the culture it's not regulated by the church as far as like the congregation of people it's regulated by the word of god Amen. god has yeah. identified who his people should be in this or that position what their qualifications what their limitations are who can and who cannot and we must follow that so we hope to expound on that yeah. in an appropriate manner one of the things that uh pastor jeremy told me a while back and i i, I agree uh, he once said everyone who god calls to be a pastor will be a pastor yeah god you know, will bring it about god exactly through his providence his his divine uh intervention however mm -hmm. he works it out he will bring uh, a pastor that he calls to be a pastor yeah. he, he will 100 percent for sure uh unfortunately again we have the ones that shouldn't be pastors mm -hmm. up there, you know, like, I mean, right off the, the top of our mind, you know, you just think of the most popular ones out there. Mm -hmm. uh, being popular in itself isn't a necessarily a bad thing. Um, I would just exercise caution there. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, since pastoral ministry is missional in its, mm -hmm. in its, uh, what do you mean by that? Aims, um, the aim for a pastor is to lead a certain group of people uh, to grow in their conformity to the image of Jesus Christ. Okay. That's that's his aim. Mm -hmm. um, there's no greater aim than to make sure that uh, you bring about the maturity of the saints so that they could more and more resemble the Lord Jesus Christ through sanctification and through obedience, Absolutely. through their knowledge of Scripture and their being able to discover those treasures through God's Word itself. So that's, that's the main role. It's not like... Um, uh, you need to have this huge church of people. Um, it, it isn't that at all. Mm -hmm. That's not the qualifying. Like, oh, I need a big church. Like, no, you need you need a Christ-centered church, yeah. one that 
Christ builds. Christ will mm-hmm. build his church. Some mm-hmm. churches are smaller, some are larger, but are they Christ-like? Do they mm-hmm. follow Jesus Christ yeah. based on what the prescription of Scripture says? Mm-hmm. So, yes, to build the congregation's faith, and mm-hmm. as you know, as you were saying, their their sanctification. I, I would say that marks a true pastor. Not so much mm-hmm. how big the congregation is. Yeah, because it's not up to us how how much yeah. we produce. How fervently how effectively somebody works in their capacity mm-hmm. that's one thing but it was the faithful stewards that had one talent five talents ten talents yeah like it, they were fa- uh, what was it one two five mm-hmm. um faithful mm-hmm. in what they've been given and what they can do with it right the one talent wasn't expected to produce what the ten talents was yeah so we can't look and compare saying i need to have that saying so, no, no no you work with what god has given you Stay within his boundaries, mm-hmm. be a faithful minister, yeah. and the fruit will come as yeah. you abide to his regulation. Yeah, and in, in that same thought as well, because every pastor has a capacity, you know, different capacities, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that same thought, it's like, you know, you as an individual who are maybe thinking of becoming a pastor, like really uh, turn to God for that, turn to God for guidance, if that really is your calling, if that yeah. really is the capacity that God is calling you to. Because as much as I would love to have biblical pastors everywhere, we know that that's, uh, that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, because if you put somebody to be a pastor, though they are a faithful Christian, mm-hmm. but you put them in that role and that's not their role, they can they can do some damage to the congregation. Absolutely, yeah. They could um, mishandle uh, some situations they can mishandle, um, even certain parts of, of the word while they're preaching out there because that's not their capacity or mm-hmm. they'll, they'll fumble in one way or another because God hasn't, uh, called them to that. Maybe they, they were just somebody who were very uh, passionate about that desire. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been reading through this wonderful book, uh, the ministry of the word by William M. Taylor. Mm-hmm. And I thought that this would be a good start before we get into scripture. This statement, um, speaking to the minister or the, the person striving for ministry, uh, your special work is to be that of preaching. You are to seek to sway your hearers by the living voice. And for this, you have opportunities such as are accorded to no other profession By common consent, your people will give up a portion of every Lord's Day for the very purpose of placing themselves under your guidance. They will come to the House of Assembly with minds and hearts, in some measure, already prepared to listen to your words. But this, far from making you indifferent to the work of addressing them, will only spur you on to make the best of your opportunity. So there's this idea that some people have that, you know, it's... uh, easy work to be a pastor because right. they see you on Sundays. I don't know. I, I don't know who is that distant with their pastor that they only see them or know anything of them as far as Sundays. Right. But um, I'm able to reach out to my pastor regularly throughout the week, yeah. find out how he's doing, um, ask him questions, get his advice, meet in person throughout the week. And they, they have this idea that it's so easy to be a pastor. That's an easy job. And there's some people that have taken the pulpit and just degraded it because of that expectation. Like, oh, I could leisurely live yeah. off the tithe and just work very little. Yeah. But your entire job is to take very seriously, mm-hmm. uh, not just every day, but especially that moment where you get the attention of the congregation. They're, they're here devoting their ears and hearts and minds to some extent to what you're about to say. You better be ready. Yeah. And, and how you handle that 
is important because you're going to lead and direct and affect people's lives, jobs, and relationships. Absolutely. And their view of themselves and Christ. Mm-hmm. All of that could be heavily affected by your words and your actions and your testimony. So it isn't a light task. Yeah. It is It is a big work. Yeah. It is an incredibly important one, too. Yeah, you have such a mixture in the congregation, right? Um you know, you got families, you got single people, you have strong Christians, you have weak Christians, and you have to sort of know how to manage all that. Yeah. You know, what you, the advice or the way you speak to a stronger in the faith Christian, you, mm-hmm. you can't speak in the same way to a weaker in the faith Christian. Yeah. And that's not something that you can just take so, as you were saying, leisurely or casually. It's a fully involved thing. Yeah. And it's not so that the congregation is there to serve you, but quite the opposite for you to serve the congregation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So First Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7, um, specifically uh, talk of overseers, pastors, or shepherds. And there's uh, verses, I think, 8 to 10 after that covers deacons. And mm-hmm. there are similar aspects or traits but there's some great exposition here on the pastorship yeah so we thought this would be a great place to start this along with titus and whatever else god provides so verse one um you already touched on it and it says it is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer it is a fine work that he desires to do william s plumer in his book hints and helps in pastoral theology says he is infinitely excellent meaning christ Um, And he sends his servants to tell us who he is, what is his will, and what are his laws. In its wickedness, this world looks upon the character of God either as contemptible or unamiable. Mm. Nor without the lamp of truth held up by God's ministers have the mass of men ever had just thoughts of God. Without instruction, the human mind is soon lost in fears or conceits. So... Without without God's ministers, without the people that are properly explaining and teaching who God is to the people, it's like the world has never had proper thoughts of God. They've either thought that he was too much or too little. They've never seen him correctly, either too heavy or just not important enough. All of this because um, someone did not rightly exposit or explain or present Right. the gospel and the word of God. So it's important to understand that it is a fine work and we need to understand God is that infinite. He is that excellent. Mm-hmm. We need to be able to articulate that. We need yeah. to be able to bring people along so they could see a clear picture of who God is in the face of Jesus Christ, not just in our words, but even in our lives. So it is an incredibly fine work to do. Mm-hmm. It should be viewed that way. Um, Christ, through the Holy Spirit, has given the church leaders and teachers. And that's something to also view, because that's just verse 1. Um, where is it? Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16. Mm-hmm. It says, And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. Just pause there, verse, that's verses 11 and 12. It's for the building up of the body mm-hmm. of Christ. That's, Christ has appointed those people. And we recognize that through, like you said, the inward call, the external call, the desire, the, the enablement, the opportunity, all of it matching up and lining up mm-hmm. our, our, our lives 
um, agreeing with specifications of scripture on right. whether or not we're able to. All of that brings us in, but we have to understand God's the one that calls people into that role. Mm-hmm. He doesn't just say, you know, hey, here's an available role, whoever wants it. Like, that's not reality. Mm-hmm. Reality is God is the one that appoints people into that position. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't mean that they're always going to have this great, totally noticeable, big, huge event that leads them into it. It means there will be times that they are led providentially, circumstantially into those roles, mm-hmm. or there'll be times that they'll have huge moments that really click and really line up saying, right. you are meant for the pastorate. Not everybody's going to have that big mountaintop experience. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what I've heard a lot in the past from previous pastors is that the story was always like, uh, I ran away from it. I didn't want to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And then some big miraculous thing happened. And then, okay, well, I'll, I'll be a pastor. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that's, that's what I've heard a lot in the past. But uh, more recently, um, I, I heard a, a story of a pastor that um, he, he knew, like he came to faith, you know, he started reading, studying, faithful Christian. Yeah. And then he, he knew, he's like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to start a church. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start a church. And that, that was, his, he, he already knew like how God works that out. I, I really don't know, but, um, that, that's definitely, uh, something awesome to see, to, to just know like that and be able to do. And yeah, and God provided everything. I mean, he provided everything that he needed to start up a church. He had the, the followers behind him. Um, he's renting out a, a building, et cetera, et cetera. His congregations grow it. Like that's, really wonderful mm-hmm. to see um and it, and to your point it is god that that provides all that it is god that makes a way for all of that mm-hmm. the, the my only question is like like what about the one that that is like fighting it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like what would you say to to him fighting the calling yeah because there's you know it's it's a it's a very um scary thing to try to take a hold of you know um i'd say there's probably two ways i can handle it i might just handle it in um there is that kind of timidity that even in scripture people have had before they take take on a role moses had it isaiah had right. it jeremiah had it but once they're given that that direction that assurance that god is leading them in this then there was never that question again Moses never again questioned his role. Right. Um, he uh, Isaiah never again questioned his role. Jeremiah never again like they went and did their work. So we uh, we should definitely be able to get our assurance from what Scripture says, knowing mm-hmm. that that inward desire, if it lines up to the ex uh, the expectations of the character mm-hmm. and the opportunities there, then it's something we should be praying about and pursuing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we don't line up. In a, in a strong and big way, like we have a big no-no. We should understand or pray about that and saying, God, I don't line up in that way. Either I can begin to line up in that or I'm not for that position. So show me how I can lead or minister in a capacity that you approve. Mm-hmm. But there are some people that maybe they're, they're like demanding this big sign or something. I think sometimes right. that's just pride saying, mm-hmm. God, what you've already shown me is not enough. So there's various things. There's nervousness, there's uncertainty, and I think there's pride. And that's my opinion. Right. I think it takes some level of pride to fight the uh, God-given evidence and to say you need more or God hasn't given you enough 
if he already has. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's pride to say that God's wrong about what he's called you to. And uh, I think there's pride in, uh, in saying that we know better, mm-hmm. that someone else should fill that role. Um, it doesn't seem to line up to what God calls us to do. Yeah. So uh-huh. I'd say if someone's nervous, either they have sin that they've been hiding and they haven't told us about it, so we think that they're fit for the role, but they need to you know, let the laundry out. So we can be like, oh, you're right. You're not fit for this role. Uh, or we need to work through, uh, through that um, that nervousness, that uncertainty. Right. So that's just some aspects of how I think we can handle it. Yeah. And I didn't mean to put you on the spot um, with that question. but That's okay. Yeah, but no, and, <laughs> and, but I, I agree, though. And I, I really like that you touched on Jonah because that's something that I've really come to to. Re- I didn't touch on Jonah. You said Moses and... Moses, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Okay, then I just thought Jonah. I inserted him there. Yeah. Um, Jonah was already called. Right. He was just disobedient. Exactly. He ran away, but he yeah. still ended up doing exactly what Regrettably. God. He had the worst attitude. He had the wrong right. attitude right. in the entire work. So we don't want pastors that have the wrong attitude. Exactly. So don't do that. <laughs> if you're going to come back and slouch about it and complain about it, then... Please don't. Just don't. <laughs> yeah. Be better off not doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, but, yeah. But yeah, I mean, regardless, it's when it's God's calling, you're going to fall into that one mm-hmm. way or another. You could, you know, go about it the hard way and kick and scream the whole way. Yeah. Or you could really look into that, that desire that, uh, or, you know, what God puts in front of you and be like, okay, God, yeah. lead me. There, You know, there should be that, that feeling of unworthiness that feeling of incredible oh, weight of burden responsibility that should be there that's mm-hmm. realistic yeah uh, it's kind of scary to think someone would say like cool the signs the signs uh got the desire it's right there boom let's do this no problems like we, you know you're about to be responsible and word yeah. and deed yeah. beyond what you've been before because now you have families that are depending on you and god is keeping watch over them he loves their soul more than you do mm-hmm. um so that that is a burden yeah but if the evidence is there and it all lines up and the desire is there and you're equipped mm-hmm. and the opportunity is there, pursue it. Yeah. Um, think about it, pray about it, get people to give you wise counsel. And if it, it if it's so and you're appropriate for that role and you're wanted by that congregation um, or needed by it as well, yeah, go for it. Yeah, absolutely. And after you say yes, you know, pray about it. Say, God, take me out of this role. This isn't it. <laughs> after your first sermon, he could take you out and replace you. God yeah. can replace a pastor. Absolutely. You know, yeah. that's the thing. If someone takes you the wrong way and they're willing and sincere and they pray and submit to God, there's no reason God wouldn't show them that they're in the wrong place. Yeah. So we can't say like, oh, okay, permanent thing. Like mm-hmm. I married the wrong person, but God has to keep me married because he doesn't love divorce. They thought, that's not the pastorate. Pastor mm-hmm. is not in that position. So if somebody wrongly took the pastorate, God's not like, oh, well, I guess he's stuck for the next 40 years. Mm. And this pastor, I don't want him there. No, God can move you out of the pastorate if he needs to. Just don't be a schmuck and like not do anything (laughs) and then say, see God, like, it's like, no, no, do do your work. It's a work. It's a work. It is a responsibility, a heavy, wonderful responsibility. So Ephesians uh, 4, 11 to 16, we'll just read this whole section. He gave some to be apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers speaking about Christ, giving it to the church, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith 
and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So that last part, verse 16, the whole body being fitted uh, and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part. Everyone doing their part in the body of Christ properly will supply everything that's necessary to build up the body. The ministers, the deacons, the helps, everything. Everyone working together will provide the building up of that congregation specifically. And God has purposed for certain people to be in certain churches with certain gifts and certain strengths for the purpose of that aim. And the entire purpose is supposed to build them up into the image of Christ. So that's... That's why it is indeed, as we said, it is a fine work that he desires to do, someone that aspires to the office of overseer. It is for that reason. It is because that is responsibility, and it is a good one, and it is it is a good desire. There isn't anything yeah. evil or malicious in it. Other versions uh, say noble. It is a noble thing. Noble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you said, the minister is for the people, not the people for the minister. Mm-hmm. So it isn't... Uh, oh, I want to be a pastor um, so that I can have people follow me. It's like, stop, calm down, yeah. think again, because that's not what the pastor is about. Exactly. That's not what any ministry role is about. Um, it's always about servitude. People are going to have questions. Um, the people in this world have questions, especially people in the church. And these are like ever-recurring thoughts and ideas circulating in the hearts of mankind. Seems like a consistent thought that's why we have so many discussions and debates and other people and atheists and non-atheists and uh irreligious people they all have these questions um some of them could be like hey are we eternal or are we just you know finite short-lived and we're gone uh, or do we actually exist after this mm-hmm. um are we accountable to what extent to whom by what standard are we accountable is there anything at the end where scales are weighed Mm. Um, that's an idea that comes across in every religion to some extent. And even in people that don't have religion, they think that they're pretty good. So they identify themselves as good. So they know there's such thing as a bad. So um, are we sinful? Uh, is there something that needs to be done about that? These are the kinds of thoughts that mankind has always had. And it's, I would say, through what scripture teaches, it seems reasonable that God is the one that has put these desires and thoughts in all of us because he's given us a conscience. You know, mm-hmm. Romans 1 talks about, and we, we know it in our hearts that yeah. God is there. We know that in some way we understand the evidence of creation to prove the evidence of a creator, mm-hmm. that his glory, his majesty, his power is evident through what he's made. It is our ignorance and our rebellion that makes us willing to say he's not there or mm-hmm. that's not it. That's not what he said even though the proof that we need is enough to damn us if we die in that condition of unrepentance, unfaithfulness, rejection of God. All he has to do is point him to the stars and say, you had enough proof. There's so much more that I'm sure the judgment is going to reveal, but from what Romans 1 explains, there's enough evidence in the existence of the stars 
and the, the sky. Mm-hmm. Enough glory in that to prove that the glorious one that made it mm-hmm. is even above that. Yeah. Um, so mankind has no excuse. Now, that is that is what we're aspiring as, as people that desire the pastorate. You aspire to make sure that your life is focused on being able to answer these questions biblically, especially to the people within your church and the people that you encounter out if you can, but you're aspiring to be someone that actually takes the responsibility of meaningfully, biblically answering yes. these questions for the rest of your time in that position. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a lifelong thing. Sometimes it isn't. That's that's what we need to consider. Like this is literally a work where you are serving the people. And it isn't that they're coming to give you an easy life. Right. Your life will get significantly more difficult the minute you take on that sort of mm-hmm. responsibility. Um, verse 2. So we're still going off of 1 Timothy 3, 1 to 7. Um, verse 2 says, An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. So um, above reproach, that speaks about your reputation, uh, reputation within and without the church. Um, it's, yeah. it's about the observable conduct. Uh, how do people perceive you mm-hmm. based on how you manage yourself and carry yourself? Because if you got a terrible reputation, you're going to bring that upon the church, and people are going to expect that's the kind of influence that you're bringing upon these people. Yeah. So it's important that someone has a right reputation. It uh, doesn't mean that your past can be tattered, because people have tattered past, and Christ does his work, and then now they're ready for work. Yeah. But it means they cannot currently be living in a way that shames the gospel yeah. and dishonors Christ. Yeah. I mean, you would think that would be obvious, right? Probably not. <laughs> you, would th- you would think, you know, it's like somebody who's going to be a pastor, they have to um, not in a uh, in an empty sort of way act, you know, like a pastor, but like in a very real way. Yeah, play the part. Yeah. And not just part. merely Yeah, not just for show. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it says um, above reproach. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's what we actually see in verse seven as well, um, or speaks about a reputation. Uh, above reproach, have, uh, verse seven says, and he must have a good reputation with those outside the church. Um, so that that kind of connects it. So we have uh, verse two all the way to verse seven, and it's as if verse. Verse 2 says, an overseer then must be above reproach. And then that is just broken down in all of those different points made afterwards, mm-hmm. up until verse 7, when again it's repeated, must have a good reputation with those outside the church. So what does it mean to be above reproach? And then it starts listing everything off. The husband of one wife. Um, this doesn't mean that you could not have had... Scripture doesn't give any reason for us to believe that you could not have had a... Uh, previous wife that either died and now you are remarried um, or you have a second marriage because your first one, your wife died, your spouse died. Uh, It doesn't necessarily even show that if there was, for example, a biblically acceptable divorce, there are a few, none are commanded, some are permitted, and the Bible never commands anyone to divorce anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, It commands them to forgive and to work it out. Mm -hmm. But there are permissible ways it, it doesn't mean that uh, that could not have been the case. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't specifically speak on that. That could also be something up for discussion. But ultimately, this main point 
identify as saying is a one woman man. You mm-hmm. know, he's not he's not eyeing other people or behaving, you know, undue for that for any position, honestly, for any Christian. But right. he is literally not someone that's known for being flirtatious, you know, playing around in that fashion, being kind of too too touchy with any like he needs to be known as a truly faithful man to his wife. Yeah. That needs to be no question. There needs to be literally no question about that in this person's life. There can't be like, hey, I think like I think he talks to me. like there could that can't be at all part of his reputation. Mm-hmm. So to have an upright reputation is to literally be a one woman demand, someone that isn't looking in any other place, someone that is truly focused on his one relationship if he has one. If he's single, then I know a woman demand. <laughs> but um he cannot be known to to have that overly Mm-hmm. flirty attitude you sometimes see right. with some people uh, in ministry and leadership. Disappointingly, that's what we see sometimes, especially with false preachers. Right. I mean, they, they get adultery all the time, mm-hmm. uh, money hungry all the time. It gets proven later on, abuse, all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's always found out that they've like committed adultery with their secretary or with their ministry helper or something. It's like false teachers usually, you know, have false practices that fall along with them. Um, so, that is a serious thing because your example of your marriage actually describes and in some way gives imagery to the church. You know, the husband is supposed to reflect the support and the providence of Jesus Christ for the church. And the wife is supposed to uh, uphold the image of the church, which honors and submits to and follows the leadership of Christ. So if that's not a hundred percent being aimed at faithfully, then Mm -hmm. how many other things so mm-hmm. that's that's an important that's one principle um husband of one wife and temperate prudent respectful this is about your self mastery it's how you maintain your character and your attitude and your emotions and your feelings like that's that's all you faithful um sorry self controlled proverbs 16:32 says he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. It isn't about I wrote this huge book or man, I got so many followers. It's like uh, how do you how do you handle uh, criticism? How do you handle yeah. rebuke? How do you handle someone embarrassing you in yeah. public? How do you handle a novice being in, in, in insincere, or disrespectful with you? How do you handle when someone doesn't take you um, and 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 prop you up on the pedestal that other people want to prop you up on? Like do you do you demand respect? Like how how are you? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a self controlled, a a self managing temperament, or are you someone that's unruly, someone that lashes out, someone that's uh, you know has those disrespectful moments? Like that shouldn't be part of any part of your life, right? Um, so that's that's important to consider. Mm-hmm. It, it first talks about your marriage, then it talks about your self mastery. Like this entire section really breaks yeah. down important key aspects to the to the individual yeah and i i think it's like to want to be a pastor should be a you should take it as a a humble approach and it is a position where you have to be humble yeah one to uh open be open to criticism because just because you're pastor doesn't mean you're high and mighty Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you got it all in the bag 
No, you're still susceptible to make errors here or there, and you're still susceptible to be imperfect in the way you go in the way you go about your pastorship. Um, one thing I really like at my church is that there's a there's sort of a table of, of elders. There's you know there's there's Pastor Jeremy, but then there's elders and then the deacons that that kind of hold him accountable mm-hmm. on the things that he says, the way he goes about it, um, and just being open to suggestion too. Yeah, I think um, and we've sort of experienced that in the past where uh, there's a pastor that doesn't want to take any suggestions and mm-hmm. wants to do have all the say in yeah, everything. he's the king of the church yeah 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 so that's uh that is not the way to to handle mm-hmm. that uh a pastor should be open and, and i and i really want to drive home the point be open to criticism because that, that, that just shows be. where our humility and our pride is being mm-hmm. managed Absolutely. sometimes i see i see that my own pride flurs up mm-hmm. and i notice it when yeah. i don't respond graciously mm-hmm. to a criticism no matter who it comes from mm-hmm. and when i see that spirit kind of rising up in my heart mm-hmm. I, I get checked and it's embarrassing to me yeah and i want to fight it and i know that that if it is carried out and is constant by god's grace I, I see that fighting against it but if it is a constant lived out kind of emotion that wouldn't be appropriate for the pastorate absolutely so and then just to go back a little bit um I don't know how much this emphasizes the point, but um, definitely a pastor is a male role. It's a role of a yeah. of a man. I don't know if we're going to go into that a little bit later on, but uh, because it says very specifically, husband to one wife. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of the the language here is always saying he him. Um, so just to to kind of throw it out, yeah, there there, there are no, because there's there's, there's there's no there's no one that's biblically in the position of pastor if they are not a a a a x Y chromosome man. male. Yeah, so. a, man. a man in the full role of a man. Um, yeah. yeah, because we've also seen a, a rise of that as well of uh, female pastors and uh, female quote unquote apostles that yeah. I mean that I've seen at least uh, on the internet and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, even uh, I've had uh, some friends, female friends that have mentioned that they love listening to uh, this female pastor preacher, mm-hmm. um, and it's like, ooh, that's that's already against Red the flags. Bible. Yeah, yeah, it's unbiblical. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. Somebody could be unbiblical in their approach and still handle some things of Scripture right. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't mean that everyone that's a female pastor uh, will always just butcher the Bible. There's mm-hmm. times I've seen some, I've listened to some uh, in the past before I came to a more biblical understanding of Scripture, um, but I used to listen to some, and there were some really solid statements on some things. Mm-hmm. But overall, you're not permitted to be a, a, a an elder in that capacity or a pastor. Yeah. Uh, there are some ministries that women can handle as long as they're not holding authority over men, mm-hmm. but there's, there's no pastorate that is permitted or even ordained by God right. for a female xx chromosome female so um we have to do that now we have to do that so uh titus chapter 1 verse 7 and 9 this is also a section of scripture that talks about deacons and pastors um for the overseer must be above reproach as god's steward we already talked about above reproach Mm -hmm. uh and here again is what above reproach means here not self-willed not quick-tempered not addicted to wine not pugnacious not fond of sordid gain but hospitable loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. holding fast the faithful word which is in accordance with the teaching, 
so that he will be able both to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. So if anyone wants to know what's the two main sections of scripture that talks about the pastorate, two well-known sections that really do a solid job of explaining in this fashion is 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, 1 to 7 at least, and Titus chapter 1, 7 to 9. Mm-hmm. There's a lot in 1 Timothy. All throughout 1 Timothy, the remaining chapters, uh, through parts of 2 Timothy, huge portions which specifically make statements about the pastorate or what the responsibility is. But those few sections right there, those that verse 1 to 7 in chapter 3 of 1 Timothy, that is a big chunk right there that gives yeah. a really good breakdown. Mm-hmm. So that's why uh, that's why we wanted to go through this because it it is it is a great summary statement. Must be above reproach. That's a summary, and then it spells it out. Um, above reproach, it's as if this pastor or this, what, what do you call someone that's about to be like? About to be pastor? Yeah, or we're trying to be, not a prospective. Yeah. Prospect? Prospective pastor. Prospect. I think that's the word. Mm-hmm. So uh, someone that is a pastor or prospective pastor, I think I'm using that word right, um, above reproach means that he should seek to live so as to avoid others' concerns, that he is guilty of biblical offense or neglect. So others should not be worried by what they see and hear and experience from this person, that he has failed the Bible in some way, shape, or form for their role. Mm-hmm. Then that should not be the kind of person. You shouldn't be like unsure about your pastor because of this and this and this. No, mm-hmm. you might not know yet. And if, you know, he's been brought in and the elders trust him and you might learn to put your trust in this pastor. But overall, there should not be like some big red flags where you're like, ooh, he goes to clubs? Like That shouldn't be a no. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. Man. Stop. <laughs> no leadership. Yeah. Like, put that man. Sit, sit down. down yep. Learn. Um, because there's nothing righteous that ever takes place in the club. Mm-hmm. Um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. This also, I wanted to quickly touch on this. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, mm-hmm. kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. So we're, we're repeating the idea of self-control, but the point is Christians and bishops and elders and overseers are all expected to at least have self-control. Mm-hmm. There is no role in the church where you can be void of self-control and be appropriate in that role. Not even a basic lay person is appropriate or faithful in their obedience to Christ if they are not practicing or striving for self-control, mastery of self as they submit to Christ. That has to be it. Someone can't say, hey, um, I flare up in, in wrath uh, like probably once or twice a week, and it's just how I am. It's like, repent. Mm-hmm. No. That's how you might be now, but it better be something you're aiming to extinguish. And by the grace of God, by the work, by submission, and just diving into and depending on Him through His Word and by Spirit, you will overcome those things. Mm-hmm. But if you're just like, ah, it's just who I am. It's like, well, sit down. We need to talk because you need to repent. You need mm-hmm. to understand that you need to repent. You can't just be told or, or confident that your unabated sin is acceptable. No, in, in, whether you're in a role or not in a role in the church, if you're a Christian, you cannot accept just 
flare-ups of sin and say, that's just how I am. It's like, no, that's your current battle. You better see it as a current battle because that's something you're supposed to resist and overcome by the grace of God. Yeah. That's literally something God has provided for you. You're supposed to grow up into Christ, not just stay like at this level and be like, I guess I'm in. It's like, don't dishonor Christ and say you're not willing to work on what he's working in you. It's God that works in you for his good pleasure. You know, it's, uh, work it out, work out your salvation. That means your sanctification, work yeah. it out. So, um, it's important because it's so stated so heavily. Where is it? Um, Galatians 5, 24 to 25 also says, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. So whatever desires, whatever passions, whatever feelings and emotions that we have, if they overrule us to any extent, in a way that we violate scripture or violate God's um, outline for the Christian life, then those are the things we're supposed to crucify. You know, whatever it is, we're supposed to crucify it. It yeah. doesn't mean harm yourself. Please, nobody harm themselves. You know, uh, yeah. put to death your sinful habits or, or die to sin. Or that does not mean harm yourself in any way, shape, or form. But suffer the mental harm that comes with you saying no to something you are totally attracted to if mm -hmm. that thing causes you to sin slip or stumble mm -hmm. so suffer that yeah. suffer the pain and, of saying no to yourself yeah and i think i mean it's not literal <laughs> but i think i like the language used there because it's very strong it's how serious it is yeah. to deal with your sin like kill your sin yeah. cut you off know? your arm yeah cut but off. don't do that <laughs> not literally but but cut off, which means I'd, you know i'd be terrified for someone that takes a too literal approach right. to everything in scripture right man those even. are the people those are the people <laughs> yeah. that actually go and crucify themselves yeah. in, what is it, in mexico they actually in the philippines crucify? yeah yeah the philippines how, yeah, the, there was a uh, lj had mentioned how, um, how unbelievable yeah like that it. that there was a, a philippine man that would crucify himself every so often yeah. and then the last time he did it he actually died yeah yeah and if yeah. i'm not mistaken most likely to hell he went because that's idolatry at minimum. There's a lot more than just that crucifixion. There's right. also like Mary worship or, or mm -hmm. you know, there's some some version of Mary. You yeah. know, it's almost in every single continent. There's a version of Mary. Mm -hmm. And um, then there's the thought angel. that, yeah, there, there's also the thought that I'm doing this yeah. to be in God's good graces. Exactly. And so, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. So they might actually, some people might actually have their faiths really in Christ and then they're taught to do all these other things. So that's a different discussion. Right. Yeah. Real Christians sometimes could be under really bad, wrong teaching. And mm -hmm. their Christian lives are a mess. Yep. And they're probably going to be some of those that end up with very little fruit, if not, I don't know if anyone has no fruit. But there is, they're going to just like naked out of a fire like, I made it. All that stuff means nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow. Burn up. I wasted but, it. But going back to the point, it's yeah. that's how serious God wants you to deal with. It is that with serious. Your sin, with your sin. Mm -hmm. um, 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 13. This is Paul speaking, saying, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. So this is, again, speaking about desires, uh, inclinations, yeah. uh, habits, anything. If that thing masters you, where you can't say no to it, you have a problem. Yeah. We're supposed to be mastered by the Holy Spirit. We're yeah. literally supposed to be mastered by God. Um, it's important for us to aim for that and recognize that because that 
that is what it means to be submissive to to, to God. Mm-hmm. Really um, dependent on Him, trusting in Him, and recognizing our great dire need for Him. Yeah, to truly be under Him as a you know as a student, as a pupil mm-hmm. in every facet of our lives, mm-hmm. and those are the things that are gonna um, abate some of those sinful flare-ups. They will begin to pacify them, begin mm-hmm. to overcome them instead with grace, instead with uh, Christian graces and Christian attitude. So, um, yeah. And, yeah. No, and yeah, and I was going to say uh, something that really aids and helps in that is somebody who is in Scripture. Yeah. Like if you are in your Scripture and you are uh, going about, you know, spreading the gospel in, in whatever capacity you can, um, those things will will aid in keep in in like fighting that sin and mm-hmm. and, and, and 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 killing that sin um it, it reminds me of something john macarthur said because uh, they asked him about his uh like uh why there hasn't been any big scandal in his life you know he's been a pastor for however many years and he hasn't had a, a single scandal or a single uh big thing that made him you know look bad and that was his answer he's like i'm just so busy in my scripture preparing studying mm-hmm. um and, and, and teaching that that i don't give time for for those sinful desires mm-hmm. and i'm paraphrasing yeah but yeah, i remember i remember mm-hmm. listening to that yeah I and think but, it was a question answer yeah it was yeah. A Q&A. uh but that is for any christian first of all that should be uh something that we use to to aid in our fight against our flesh. Yeah. Uh, and then secondly, for a pastor as well. Especially for a pastor. Especially if for you're going to be an example to something, you need to be fully in that thing. Yeah. You can't just, uh, can't be walking on a different road telling them, oh, I see something from far away. Go take that step. It's like, you're not on this road. <laughs> Get on the road and tell yeah. me. <laughs> so, um, you should be ahead of them, yeah, actually. Right? You, you should, should be uh, at the you front. You should have made it all the way to the, as far as you can and then come back and start bringing them along. So There you go. Because I'd be worried about yourself. Why you still be down and you got a soul? Like you need to see to believe these things. But you believe things that you've never seen. Like feelings and hopes and dreams. The future emotions and gravity. And sadly, everything you're rejecting makes this whole life a tragedy. And I got something to say. How